Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Hey guys, on the monorail, and all this fog is making Tomorrowland look like Cloud City. Man, Empire Strikes Back is so good. Yeah, best Star Wars movie ever. But why did Luke leave the Wampa's cave to die in a blizzard? It is a Wampa, right? Not to mention his lightsaber getting stuck in the snow just right to force pull after being dragged like that. And why did Obi-Wan wait to appear until he was near death? Talk about procrastination. What is he, me? If the AT-ATs could only fire at a target in front of them, why didn't the Jedi just attack from the sides? But it is one of the best movies in the franchise. One of the best. Almost perfect. Welcome to episode 230 of the Diz His Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Alex. Today, we will be giving the his on The Empire Strikes Back. Right now, we are recording live for our Goof Troop members. Our Goof Troop is a collection of interesting individuals. I was trying to actually do the, the Avengers thing. What are they? Remarkable individuals? Well, they all have their own little skills. Yeah, they for do. Sure. For sure. Or powers. We don't know yet. Um, they are, our Goof Troop is our Patreon members. And uh, to become a part of the Goof Troop, you can head over to our link tree, which is in all the descriptions of our episodes. It's in all the uh, bios of all of our social media. You hit over to the link, link tree, you hit uh, join our Goof Troop. You can be a Goof Troop member. Now, what that allows you to do is you're entered into giveaways. As long as you're the $5 tier and up, you're uh, you're entered into our pretty pretty good giveaways, I, I would say. If I wasn't a host, I would... Uh, I would be well. Actually, I was part of Patreon at one point. I did, <laughs> yeah, and I did. I I did win some of the cool giveaways. <laughs> but now I'm in charge of the giveaways, and me and Alex have been doing a pretty good job at, at these giveaways. You also can watch us live. That's why I said we're recording live for our Goo Troop. It's awesome because we record for like an hour and a half, but you only get to hear about I don't know sixty six percent of it. I'd say because I think thirty percent of the episode gets cut. I feel I feel like two thirds of the episode stays, and that's what you guys hear if you're listening right now. You get to hear all of that if you're a Goof Troop member. Yeah. Last week was a long one. Last week we Very. had over an hour long episode, but we recorded for almost an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's fun because we banter. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make the episode that you guys get to hear live. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media. And if you enjoy our posts, comment on them. We'll read them. Out. We'll read your comments out live. We actually do have some stuff to read today. We do. We do. If you want us to read stuff from you, you can email us at dishispod at gmail.com. That's dishispod at gmail.com. And just send us any information you like, any ideas of future episodes, maybe how much you like past episodes, some of your memories, because we're still collecting those memories. We want all of them still. And you can give us any information you like. Hey, even tell us what you had for lunch. Also, if you have some time, go over to your podcast platform and give us a five-star rating. On the, You know what? If we didn't earn five-star, give us a four. Four. Give us a three. Yeah. No, not three. Give us a two. I don't care. Give Call us me first you want. before you do that. But Tell me why you didn't give us a five. Give me some good reasons. Yeah. What good reasons why you didn't give us a five star? Yeah. If you don't have any good reasons to give us not give us a five star. You give us a five star. Yep. Exactly. I couldn't agree anymore. Now, quick shout out to Andrew from South Jersey. He, he could be my neighbor. I have no idea. He could, he could literally <laughs> be my neighbor. Uh, Andrew emailed us saying that uh, thanking us for the for doing the podcast because he had a long drive home from school. And uh, he loves listening to the podcast because it makes the ride much nice. easier. Can relate to this a lot when I used to commute to school. I um, love driving. Oh, and listening yeah. To podcasts. It's the no I love doing everything. nothing better. My wife says listen to too many podcasts. She's upset when I listen to podcasts while I'm doing dishes. I'm like, hey, I can't hear you. The, the water's running anyways. Oh, that's true. But she's like, it's just the point that you have yeah. earphones in. Yeah, that is true. 
Um, I think I'm team Alex on that one, but don't tell your wife. Um, uh, he would all, he also said he'd love to hear an episode on. So the architecture of Disney and some of the force perspective they use on their buildings to make them look even larger than what they are. Now we've touched okay. on that on some of our uh, episodes, like main street and stuff like that, but getting and the castle. Yeah. But getting into the history on Disney architecture could be similar to the mm-hmm. smellitizer episode. Right. Go, go into details about how they did it and then how they've progressed through time. Yeah. How they've gotten better at it, maybe. Different different um, methods that Imagineers have actually come up with. Right. And, and maybe even, you know, maybe they've inspired other places to do the same. Yeah. No, I think that'd be really, really cool. And uh, we were a few years into this, so... Not, it's not that we're running out of ideas, but we're running out of ideas. So that is <laughs> so. Uh, so I, I love that idea, and it's something that I will have our uh, our team look into for sure. Dude, we're not a few years into it; we're four years into I it. I know, I know. It's it's uh, yeah, it's pretty. You know, uh, if I ever if I ever build a, a mansion, I'm gonna use force perspective to make it seem like it's seven stories high when it's really four. You should do that in your house. I, I mean, yeah, raise the power. Anyway. We have we have our poor guest. We have a guest today. We have a poor guest just just sitting there in the corner watching us uh, while we while we banter back and forth. Alex, I would love to introduce our guest from the Nerd Archive podcast, Justin. Justin, how are you doing tonight? Oh man, third time's the charm, I suppose. What's happening, everybody? <sighs> no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking. We we never recorded this episode before. There's never <laughs> any recording issues. This is the very first time. Yeah, no, in all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness, really excited to have you on here. Before we get into this episode, uh, I said you're from the Nerd Archive podcast. Can you give our listeners a little bit of uh, info on what that is? Well, the Nerd Archive podcast is your podcast for all things nerdy. We talk about all sorts of cool things like Star Wars, Marvel, uh, video games, anime, you name it. If it's uh, part of nerd culture, we talk about it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, myself, Lewis, Yaddy and Lola, uh, it's, uh, we go every week live on YouTube. Uh, yeah, I'm already losing my train of thought here. Brain lag. <laughs> oh, hey, it's late. I, um, a little bit. I, I love the show. I, I love that you guys do do your shows live. It's really fun to, to watch you guys, um, record live but assuming not live you also are a streamer you were just streaming super mario brothers the other day if people were into watching video video game streams where can they find you individually uh i am pretty much everywhere uh at uh, all over it underscore tv uh so uh hit me up there and uh yeah click all the things awesome so Justin, you obviously know what The Empire Strikes Back is, but for anybody who has been living under a rock since the uh, 1980s, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back was the second Star Wars film released in theaters. And despite lukewarm reception upon its release, it soon experienced a reassessment that has resulted in it largely being considered not only the best film in the franchise, but also among the best films ever created in general. That's a pretty bold statement. What what do you think about this, Justin? Is it is it a... let's let's take it back to is it one of the best films in the franchise what do you think i mean it's hard to argue against that uh Mm -hmm. really it is like easily easily the best film in the franchise yeah i it's like you said it's very hard to you can have a favorite movie but you can't deny this one is not the best if not one of the best you know Uh, alex what do you think it's good it's a good movie i wouldn't say it's the best one in the franchise but i definitely do think it's a really good episode um why why do you say yeah why do you say that because i i have a reasoning i I think it is one of the best but i also have a reason why i think people wouldn't think it's one of the best and i'm curious i like i like number um eight 
It was eight. No, wait. The Force Awakens. Four, wait, no. five, six. I like number six. Six. Return of the Jedi. Oh, Return of the Jedi. Oh, it's like my favorite. Jedi. That's my favorite one, and Return. and I get a lot of hate if, for that. But the thing is, is if I cut cut Empire Strikes Back in half mm-hmm. and cut number six in half and put the back half of Empire with the first half of Jedi or Return of what is it? Return of the Jedi. Yeah, Return of the Return Jedi. of the Jedi. Put those together, that would be the best movie. I think. Okay, uh, gonna take me a couple hours to wrap my mind around that. I gotta <laughs> yeah, fix, I was gonna say, piece everything together. <laughs> yeah, not something I can just agree with right away. It's a lot. I, I think that Empire is. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. It's it's. One of the best, if not the best movie in the franchise. It's not my favorite. Return of the Jedi is, but I have favorites. And then there's, you know, you can't deny greatness. This is a great movie. And for its time, for the technology that it had at its time, I, I can honestly say that it's definitely one of the best movies uh, ever made. Um, what where I think that people might not love this movie compared to maybe even at, say, in episode three Uh or even maybe some of the new new ones for the younger kids is is the action scenes. I don't think you can show a kid, um, a teenager today, Empire, and then be blown away because without knowing everything that went into it and stuff like that, like <laughs> imagine showing them one of the newer Star Wars movies and then showing them Empire and they're like, why are they moving so slow? And why are they? Why did Luke just phantom kick someone off the sandbar? Like it, like all, all this all this stuff that um we can appreciate i don't know if it i don't know if it um if younger kids would appreciate that because we've just gotten so far with especially fight choreography in movies that it just looks kind of old-fashioned especially obi-wan obi-wan is like a a a strange character compared to the obi-wan that we know um even though it is it's it's ben not obi-wan but anyway, I, I, I can see why someone wouldn't love this one. And, and Remy and Chess says it's not the best Star Wars movie. I think that Remy probably thinks um, episode one is the best Star Wars movie. But let's see what he says. Revenge of the Sith. That's hard to argue against. Revenge of the Sith is a top tier Star Wars movie, in my opinion. Oh, no doubt. So, so good. To go ahead with your saying, Chris, yes. If you, if you show them Yoda in this, this, this movie, they're going to be like, why does he look so weird? Right, right. Let's get to the his on the Empire Strikes Back. It's a trap! George Lucas wrote the original Star Wars film with a sequel in mind, but before A New Hope was released, Lucas had already contracted Alan Dean Foster to write a sequel despite not knowing if a second movie would even be made. But after A New Hope's release on May 25th, 1977, a sequel was almost mandatory due to the $775 million it made at the box office. This was especially exceptional considering that it only cost $11 million to produce. The next movie had to be bigger and better, which meant a larger and more expensive production, and all of this would add pressure that Lucas was uncomfortable with. As such, he decided not to direct the sequel. At one point, Lucas even considered selling Star Wars to 20th Century Fox for a profit percentage, but when he thought more deeply about the idea of someone else continuing his story, he was ultimately swayed not to sell the franchise. His idea for the next film involved more details of the Force and more mature aspects like relationships, such dark themes as death, betrayal, and the concept of family. 
He wanted to go the same route as the initial Star Wars film, produce it independently, utilizing his 12 million profit from the first film. Additionally, he wanted to grow his special effects company, Industrial Light and Magic, with this large future production. George took out an 8 million collateral loan from Bank of America to help with the rest of the production, making the sequel cost almost double as much as the original. In mid-1977, Lucas and Fox agreed to a contract for the next film, with Lucas retaining all creative input while Fox would earn 50% gross profit on the first $20 million, and then sliding to $22.5 million thereafter. The contract stated the movie would need to start filming by January 1979 to be released by May 1, 1980. Gary Kurtz was hired on to continue his role as producer while Lucas titled himself executive producer in order for him to focus more on his business and the development of Raiders Lost Ark. Another Lucasfilm production in development at the time. Kurtz started hiring crew members and key people like production designer Norman Reynolds, makeup artist Stuart Freeborn, and first assistant director David Tomlin. George, George rehired Ralph McQuarrie and Joe Johnston to maintain visual consistency. Together with Lucas, they started to visualize the Hoth battle. George Lucas then set out to find a director who could share his vision for the movie, but also allow Lucas a final say in almost everything. In February 1978, Lucas found his director, Irvin Kirshner, whom Lucas knew from the University of Southern California. Kirshner was a veteran filmmaker at this point, so Lucas had to allow some creative freedom in order for him to sign on. During this time, Lucas worked hard finalizing such plot points as how Luke got a facial injury, which Mark Hamill had sustained in real life. Yeah, so I actually just watched something on this. Mark Hamill was in a really, really bad car accident before this movie. You didn't Did you know that? Know? No, I didn't. I wasn't around back then. Hmm. I wasn't around back then either, but I knew, I are knew you, about it. Are this. you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so the Wampa hitting him in the face mm -hmm. was like the, you know, explained his injuries, which was like really, uh, I, I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, like they can they can give him a fake arm, but they can't fix that scar on his face. <laughs> I was watching this this video and I said I watched a recap of the movie. I didn't. I watched one of those like spoof satire things that were like that, that made fun of the movie <laughs> for like six minutes. And so uh, during this scene where the Wampa hits him in the head, right, mm -hmm. he wakes up and his feet are just frozen in the ceiling. Never explained yeah. like how a creature could take your feet and freeze it in the ceiling. And then I love the part where <laughs> they were talking about how his lightsaber just perfectly fell right to where he could use the force to reach it. Like when that thing was dragging him through the snow, like it never fell out, but it, it, it fell out exactly when he would have needed it. And then he cuts his force. feet out perfectly. Oh, he, he, he force held it until the. No, it's the, the force is always working. It's magic and it's always helping you. It's like luck. <laughs> it's like it's like luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then and then I love how also he, he could have just killed the thing and stayed in the cave. But then he just runs into the, the ice cold. A lot of plot holes. A lot, a lot of plot holes. A lot of plot holes. Seems like it. Uh, Obi-Wan waits like three years to tell him that he should go to Dagobah. He just waits forever, lies to him and says that Yoda trained him. Obi-Wan's kind of a pathological liar. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, enough about plot holes, because I'll have plenty more as the because that was the only um, recap that I watched. What, what do you think Star Wars would look, look like um, if George Lucas sold it back then? Because we see he sold it, you know, in our lifetime. Eventually, and yeah. we, we saw what happened for better or for worse. Um kind of crazy where this where this story could have gone if, if he sold it back then dude definitely interesting i think honestly it would look nowhere near like what we got 
um, if he had sold it in its entirety to 20th Century Fox. And I don't think it, I don't think we'd be talking about the Empire Strikes Back or whatever they would have wound up calling mm-hmm. it in the same, you know, in the same vein that we're talking about it now. And it's, if it hadn't have been like if Star Wars hadn't have been the success that it had been, I think that probably would have wound up being the case. But, you know, and it's funny that we talk about that because, you know, a fun fact, Lucas himself wasn't even sure that the movie was going to be a success to the point where he didn't even attend the film's premiere. The yeah. first one. Yeah. Yeah. Him and him and Spielberg were actually sitting on a beach in Hawaii talking yep. about what would become Raiders of the Lost <laughs> Ark. Mm-hmm. And then wouldn't you know it star wars succeeds and in like like you said in history one it's like a sequel was pretty much a given and like mandatory mm-hmm. you had to do it yeah if, if he sold this he would have been selling it to a studio that uh obviously were fans of the movie i think everyone was back then but didn't have the same mm-hmm. passion that he had for storytelling and for continuing and, and tying up loose ends because there's a lot of stuff that we don't even know because we we take this I don't want to say we take the trilogy for granted, but like this came out. This was our we knew that Darth Vader was Luke's father. I, I feel like we learned that as one of the things you learn at birth because you oh, he, like us, like we gen, did us in yeah. general. Yeah. People, people yeah. who were born after this, like Luke, I'm your father, even though that's not the right quote, is a quote that <laughs> <laughs> that well, um, my kids just learned this like a couple weeks ago. Right. So they know like they like, they but they, they never they never seen these movies, but we were right. watching Ahsoka. And I'm like, that's uh, that's Luke. I mean, that's uh, that's Darth Vader before he was Darth Vader. And they're like, what? And they're like, Darth Vader was somebody before he was Darth Vader. I was, yeah. And then he's Luke's father. And they're like, what? <laughs> oh, so you spoiled it for them. Good. That's good parenting. Yeah. Oh. But no, but you know what? Though I think it's good parenting. I think like that's that's a that's something you need to know. You, like you you just I don't know. It's just like, but back then it was a shock, right? And uh, oh, we yeah. didn't know that till till Empire. And then we mm-hmm. we don't even know uh, until I think Return of the Jedi that Luke and Leia are brother and sister, correct? Yes, till the third one. Yes, right. Yep. Which I guess I think they could have kept out. I don't think we needed that. I don't think we. <laughs> I don't think we needed the uh, the the brotherly they, sisterly love triangle thing. We get we get into that in the history. <sighs> oh, good. Um, <laughs> how about how about uh, George Lucas hiring someone completely different to help take on this movie? That kind of shocked me. I didn't know that. What do you mean? To direct it? Oh, his friend? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, he didn't want to direct it. He didn't why, want though? He, he didn't want the... Because he knew it was going to be really hard to live up to his first one. And he's and he was like, I don't want, to, I don't want that. So he he got his friend to do it, which he initially wanted someone he could puppet. And then he was like, I'm going to have to hire someone who actually knows what he's doing. <laughs> which means I can't just tell him what to do. <laughs> it's just crazy to me. I, I don't think I really realized that until uh, until reading this. I... um. Honestly, I'm watching the movie. One of the last things that I think of is, oh, you know, who directed this movie uh, for Star Wars? Because Star Wars is Star Wars, you know. I just, I just think it's always Steven Spielberg. But I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> Every movie, yeah, pretty, pretty wrong. <laughs> you were saying if if uh, Star Wars sold at 20th Century Fox, then it would just be Star Wars Two: Electric Boogaloo. That'd be the name of the film, and it would never <laughs> go on further past that because they didn't think it was going to be. It was just Star Wars, and of course, they wouldn't the next movie Star Wars Two. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, they didn't have that vision that George Lucas had. Oh, not even close. Not even close. But yeah, I, I think you're right. It would have just been Star Wars 2 and then Cash whatever. <laughs> that or whatever crappy subtitle they could possibly come up with. 
Yeah, that is that is pretty interesting because you always um, it's funny because you look at sequels not being as good as the originals. And, and mm-hmm. I don't know, but I feel like a lot of that has to do with that number two next to it, that number three next to it, the number four. It's like, OK, it's Fast and Furious seven now. But imagine Fast and Furious like had a subtitle instead of the number seven or eight or nine or ten. You know what I mean? Nope. It's like uh, there's there's a, even small details like that. George Lucas was just such a genius about like it wasn't Star Wars, too. It was Star Wars. The Empire Strikes Back. Was it George Lucas? We'll find out in history. George Lucas decided he needed help with the story development. So he hired science fiction writer Lee Brackett and together they worked on the stories and mythos inside the world of Star Wars. They came up with a general outline that included the Wookiee homeworld, the Galactic Empire, a gambler, a gambler from Han's past, a water and ice planet a frog-like creature, a character named Minch Yoda, a new alien species, and Luke's lost twin sister. While this process occurred, Kurtz came up with the film's title, The Empire Strikes Back. He avoided calling it Star Wars 2, since most movies with 2 in their title were considered to be inferior. Brackett finished her first draft by February 1978, which included a city in the clouds, a focus on the love triangle between Luke, Leia, and Han, and the Battle of Hoth, a chase through an asteroid belt, the ghost of Obi-Wan and Luke's father Anakin visiting Luke, and a cinematic battle between Luke and Darth Vader. Some key details that Brackett had that differed significantly from the finalized film included Lando being revealed to be a clone from the Clone Wars and Han going on a mission to recruit his powerful stepfather. When George read over the first draft, he wanted to contact Brackett in order to discuss some details being changed, but by that time, Brackett had already been hospitalized due to cancer. A few weeks later, Brackett passed away, leaving Lucas to write the second draft on his own. By April 1st, Lucas finished his handwritten 121-page draft, which included Luke's sister as a new character, Vader's fear of the Emperor, Yoda's unconventional speech pattern, and a bounty hunter named Boba Fett. George Lucas' handwritten script included a scene where Vader revealed he was Luke's father, but when it was submitted, the scene was omitted. This typed draft that was given to production was titled Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back. Even though the original film didn't have episode 4 or A New Hope added to the opening crawl of the first film until April of 1981. In June of 1978, Lucas hired Lawrence Kasten, who worked previously on Raiders Lost Ark, to refine George's draft. Kasten and Lucas collaborated on ideas until Kasten completed the third draft by early August. By October 24th, a fourth draft was submitted, but Lucas didn't like some of the creative decisions done by Kasten, so in February of 1979, the fifth draft was submitted. By the fifth draft, Yoda had changed from a small blue creature to a small green creature, and his name had been altered from the critter to Minch, then finally to Yoda. So imagine that, <laughs> because, okay, so they, they, they said that Lando in the original script, or one of the original scripts, Lando is going to be a clone from the Clone Wars. Yeah. So I'm now just realizing that that doesn't only mean he's a clone. From that. It doesn't stop there, right? Because now you have Billy D. Williams playing Django on Boba Fett. Yeah. Which is insane, right. to, which, which is pretty insane like, to me, right? Yeah, he becomes all the clones. He has to be because there is no clone in the original series. So they could be, oh, hey, Tamora Morrison looks great as, you know, a clone. We'll just use him and his mm-hmm. likeness. Imagine just Billy D. Williams as that. That'd be very or, or not Billy D. Williams. Maybe we get like a, a, a Donald Glover because he's the young, uh, young Lando, right? So we get more of a, a Donald Glover as Boba Fett, which is just insane to me. You have to wonder, though, how would that have worked in the sequel trilogy at that point? Because, I mean, Donald Glover, I don't think would have been 
Would he have been old enough to no. have been able to participate? Because I don't think so. They would have serious continuity issues for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm glad they went in the direction that they did. Yeah. As far as his character. 100%. I, I also think to, uh, Tamora Morrison um, is like the perfect Boba Fett, is the perfect Django Fett, is the perfect kind of clone. He just got that like, I don't know, clone clone-esque persona <laughs> is, that, is that a compliment <laughs> i mean for to me if he was played i think there's a reason Dude, why you don't see like him a clone bro he, 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 like a clone. <laughs> he, had, he he acted the same exact way in aquaman like he was he's just he's just him like it's just he's just a clone <laughs> he's literally he just him a clone. Huh? he's him yeah it's it's interesting because whenever i think of star wars i think of oh george george lucas wrote all of this he wrote it all that's that's mm. his stuff he wrote it but you really see that like there's more people behind it. There's yeah. more names of people who had ideas. Even George Lucas had ideas that didn't make it to the fun the final script. And you you really learn like I don't understand the writing process of movies. I'm not that big movie buff like that. Fifth a fifth script is insane to me. Like think of writing a skip for a movie and then changing yeah. it four more times. Um, that's definitely an interesting thing that I never thought of when thinking about the writing of Star Wars. Also, talk about pressure. So we didn't do the history on the original Star Wars, but uh, I know a little bit about it. And George yes, Lucas, did. I didn't. Oh, well, yeah. we did do the history yeah. on Star Wars. Yeah, I didn't. So I don't remember it well. I listened to a podcast that the whole season broke down the filming of Star Wars mm. and uh, the original. And uh, George Lucas uh, like, had to go to the hospital because he almost like he almost had a heart attack or he did have a heart yeah. attack. It was like it was crazy, right? Because of all the pressure, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So he has this history of of uh, not being able to handle this or you know being under these these high intensity, high pressure situations. Imagine now you're working on this movie, and part of the the person who is writing with you dies. Imagine yeah. how much pressure that is now to do I take everything this person who died uh do i do everything that they say to honor them do i mm -hmm. take my own advice that he can't talk to him anymore to take mm -hmm. to, to bounce ideas off him like what do you do in that situation i guess you create a masterpiece but like seriously like what do you what do you do in that situation it's that's crazy uh yeah. to be to have that i would call it a burden on you like this person just died do you keep everything they said or do you do you scrap it all? Do you pretend it never happened? It's it's kind of crazy. I also wish that they kept Yoda's name as the critter. <laughs> <laughs> you think so? Not oh, yeah. Not even Minch. Yeah. Um, now, Minch sounds a little like like uh, mean, like Minch sounds derogatory. <laughs> it, does a, it does a little right. Bit, right. Like if it someone does. called me a Minch, I, I would have to look it up to make sure they didn't call me like a some like offensive slur. Like that's, that sounds really bad. Uh, the Critter, that I like that. I sounds really like, like that. <laughs> sounds like a 90s wrestler. Maybe that's why I like it so much. So I think I, I would that would be my my stage name is The Critter. And I'd be a little blue creature. You just drop down like Sting with a chair. <laughs> oh, no, The Critter's into the building. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny because like like you said, five five script rewrites, five different drafts. Insane, right? Imagine what a lot of these people's names were and what they look like and stuff. Like I can't imagine Yoda looking anything other than Yoda, but he was a little blue guy named the Critter. Like that's crazy that they evolved. Okay, let's be real. The Critter would not have withstood the test of time. Like no. everyone, that would be a joke. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. He he probably would have changed it and then digitally changed it 
So that when you, <laughs> when you bought movies, it was you're like, wasn't he blue? Wasn't he a blue guy named Crit- the Critter? No, and we never speak of that ever again. <laughs> One of the many things that he wanted to go back and change for the special edition re-release. <laughs> yeah, right. The um the thing with Star Wars that's so genius is they come up with these really dumb names for things, but they sound new, real. But yeah, right. But they're new dumb names. So like Yoda is a very bad name, but it's an original bad name instead yeah. of the critter. Yeah, you don't play. I mean, I I play D and D. I don't know if you play D and D, Justin. Mm-hmm. But you ever like try to come up with names of things? It sounds dumb. Like you sound dumb when you're doing this. But like somehow <laughs> you George can do it, and you're like. Whoa, Jedi. Whoa, Yoda. Like the names of all these creatures in the movie. Wookiee. Like that's just a dumb name. But when you think about it, but no, it's not because it sounds great. <laughs> I my one of my favorite things is that uh, Darth Vader just means dark father. <laughs> yes, I, I like it. And then like and then, and then the people in Sweden are like, yeah, so yeah, he's his father. Duh. Guys, that's what his name is. You guys didn't know. <laughs> his name is Dark Father, didn't you? Duh. It makes perfect sense. One of my least favorite um, uh, things of this is how Obi-Wan calls him Darth. Oh, does he? Yeah, he does. And wh- when does he do that? I think it's in Return of the Jedi. Oh, he just calls is him it Darth. Justin? No, 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 no. That was that was a new hope. Oh, uh, was it? Oh, yeah, because yes. he's dead already in the uh, Empire. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. No, yeah, a new hope. He, uh, it was during that it was during that saber fight. Uh, the circle is now complete. When I uh, when we la- when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master, and Obi Wan is only a master of evil. Darth, that's so weird. And I think that's the only time we ever heard him refer to him as that until the Obi Wan series. Yeah, I, and he I, called him Darth again. Yep. Wow, Girls off that's so weird because there's so many there's so many Darths. Right, you know, Darth Sidious, right. Like it's Darth, like it's not know, it's a um, it's a generic term. It's not a name. It's a title, I guess. Yeah. Yes. So I guess it would make sense. But but it's like instead of like it'd be like calling someone like Mister or something <laughs> I don't know it's just we it just rolled off the tongue weird but anyway just speaking of weird weird names I think that uh, he got some inspiration by some of his constituents because like he had some people surrounding him with very Star Wars esque name Caston yeah um there in the first history there was a uh, there was a um, Kirshner uh, no Stuart Freeborn Freeborn sounds like he could be from um, Bespin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Could be. Uh, speaking of speaking of Bespin, we talk a little bit about the planets here. What are your guys' favorite uh, planets in the in, in Star Wars? And let's stick to the original trilogy. We can say we uh, and and for the sake of doing the history on um, Empire Strikes Back, let's just stick to Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> there's a lot of good. There's like a lot of good planets in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Justin. What do you what, what's what's your favorite? Oh, you can. And maybe we don't even have to do planet. We could do like favorite uh, scene, I guess, in the movie. Not scene as far as the acting or what's happening, but as far as like the setting goes. Yeah. Place. To be honest, if we're yeah, if we're just going by like scene mm-hmm. and things like that, I would say like the Battle of Hoth. Yeah. Like, right there at the beginning of the movie, an incredible, incredible battle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. Hoth is iconic. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. It is referenced in so many other films. It is just an iconic uh, setting. For sure. Alex, what about you? I gotta go classic Tatooine. I think just Tatooine is a great place. Yeah, no, Tatooine, great Tatooine is great. Um, I, I love the setting of the fight between Vader and Luke. I think it looks so futuristic and so like to to think that this movie came out ba- all the way back then and to have like these visuals, I just think is 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 amazing. Uh close run up for me. 
the Dagobah. Dagobah is such a cool, immersive place. Oh, yeah. And it looks like it smells so bad. I was just about to say that. It looks like it smells terrible. <laughs> like, Little Critter looks like he has such bad BO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, can't. Definitely can't argue with that uh, Dagobah and like that, that, that whole, that, that whole scene, uh, you know, with him and Yoda, uh, incredible, incredible stuff. And that's also the, um, where he goes into see and has the, uh, the vision in the, yep. um, where he is, he is Vader. Right. It's just like that. Oh yeah. That whole, like that whole setting is just, it's just amazing. The, um, mm. uh, but yeah, Dagobah is like a bubbling all the time and it's just like, oh man. They pull the X-Wing out of the swamp. I think that, oh man, that, that thing looks like it stinks. They put it right back. The production team scouted locations for scenes like Hoth and Dagobah. Initially, Dagobah was set to be shot in Central Africa or Kenya, but Lucas funded the construction of a stage at Elstree Studio in London to create the Dagobah Bog and a rebel base so it could be filmed in a controlled environment. Construction of the set began at the end of August 1978 and cost $2 million. Scouts looked into places in Finland, Sweden, and the Arctic Circle for areas to look like the ice planet Hoth. By December of 1978, the budget had grown to $21.5 million, which was double what had been originally planned. Two events slowed down production quite a bit. At London's Elstree stage, a fire destroyed stage 3, where Stanley Kubrick's horror classic The Shining was being filmed. Empire was set to film there as well. Furthermore, Star Wars then had to move production to two other stages to make more room for The Shining to finish their work. While filming the Haas scenes in Finnis, Norway, weather caused production to hold up because the country was having the worst snowstorm they had experienced in a half a century, with winds exceeding 40 miles per hour and temperatures dropping almost as low as negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit and Celsius. These extreme conditions caused lenses to freeze over, film to become brittle, and even a crewman to slip and fall, causing two broken ribs. Transportation lanes between different scenes got blocked by avalanches, while the trenches dug for the scenes filled up quickly. Most of production got sent to England to start filming other scenes while a small crew stayed back to film battle scenes and explosions. Outside filming got extended from a few weeks to eight weeks due to having to build a heated helicopter shelter so the helicopter did not freeze in between the filming of opening sweeping shots. All these issues pushed the film's budget to reach around $22 million. Set filming of the Empire's finale began at Elstree on March 13, 1979. Ford, Hamill, and Fisher all suffered from injuries or illnesses during filming. Fisher caught bronchitis and influenza, which caused her to lose 85 pounds. The Dagobah set was sprayed with mineral oil, which caused Hamill physical discomfort. Hamill also suffered an injury while filming a speeder bike stunt jump, which caused him to be unavailable for several days. The actor who played Chewbacca, Peter Mayhew, was also sick while shooting while filming Han's torture scene due to a burst of steam which caused the room temperature to rise to 90 degrees Fahrenheit while Mayhew was inside his wool suit. In late March, Bank of America sent a representative to visit the set due to the company being concerned with the rise cost of the film. In mid-July, Bank of America refused to increase the loan, causing the finance for the film to run out. The information was kept from the crew. Lucas had to borrow money from his company, Black Falcon, in order to finish the last 20% of the filming. Eventually, Lucasfilm President Charles Weber worked with the Bank of Boston to refinance in order to increase their initial loan. Fox also added an extra $3 million in order to gain a higher percentage of theatrical returns, as well as 10% of merchandise profits. Uh, first of all, early, early on in this history, I love how uh, Dagobah was, <laughs> was set to be shot in Central Africa or Kenya. And they're like, hey, what about London? What about, uh, <laughs> how, about, how, about, how about we just go to London instead? 
Can you imagine if if Little Critter was in the savannas of Africa instead of a swamp? How crazy is it that we have uh, multiple just iconic films being made at the same spot uh, at the same time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty interesting that The Shining and Empire Strikes Back was filmed there. Uh, imagine if um, if we had uh, Jack Nicholson have to do a little cameo or something. Because yeah, they do that, some, they do that now with like the stormtroopers. They sometimes do. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they weren't as That'd fun be, back then. I mean, I don't know what's funner than using you know non strict code and getting people sick because you're just trying to get it done. Yeah, spray get, <laughs> get, getting physically uncomfortable by uh, spraying mineral oil uh, does sound like a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah. No. That I, I honestly cannot imagine what Mark Hamill was going through when when they were doing that and like the amount of discomfort that he was probably feeling that's the funny thing it's like uh like they're they're spraying all these chemicals and this and that because it looks great on film but like Mm -hmm. you read all these stories of um one that comes to mind just like uh instantly for me is like the tin man the uh yeah how they couldn't even use the original tin man because he almost died because of the paint they they put or they put like mercury on him or something it was like something ridiculous oh jeez yeah it was like uh liquid aluminum or something they use legit paint and you're not supposed to paint over your pores yeah and that was like before they put the lead out and everything just like in uh goldfinger they painted over that girl and almost uh she almost passed out from not being able to breathe yeah it's it's insane and then the um uh the guy who plays chewbacca just getting like just roasted to death just roasted oh yeah jeez what was it like 90 90 degrees in the room in the room so you could only imagine what it felt like inside the suit while he was standing there. And it was just yeah. like, oh, my God, get me out of this. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's insane. But it's funny. It's interesting because, like, uh, you talk about Hoth is one of your favorite scenes. And what really adds to that scene, because it is very snowy when they look at the movie. Like, it's super snowy yeah, yeah. in the movie. And you're like, wow, those special effects are amazing. But they're not special effects. It was super <laughs> no. snowy. It was. Yeah. It was the snowiest it's been in that area in ages. And they just happen to be filming what's supposed to be a ice planet. Uh, uh, it's just it's so it's also lucky, but also not lucky because it made the filming so cost so much more. But if they knew they're going to make a gajillion dollars yeah, on it, right. they probably wouldn't have cared. But at the time, they're like, we can't afford to get this movie done. Like, it's ridiculous that they ran out of money at one point. When you're thinking of how much money they actually made off of it still, even after having those financial issues, they still made money off of this movie. Oh, absolutely. It's almost like the perfect storm. Yeah. The the amount of difficulty that they had to go through in order to get this movie done between the, the, the physical hardships filming on locations to the financial stuff, you know, just slowing everything down. But, you know, at, at, in the end, it all worked out, especially with like like you were saying, especially with the with the, the scenes on Hoth, like that, that stuff's not special effects. It's legitimate. It was legitimate weather. And honestly, it was great. God loves Star Wars. Apparently, the um, the one of the things that's crazy to me is that you are a uh, you're filming a piece of art, right? And uh, you have your own vision for for every single scene and and for the filming of it. And then some 
suit comes from Bank of America and is like, uh, you know, we're cutting your funding. We need this done. It's like, that's crazy to me. Talk about pressure. Uh, George Lucas has, you know, an idea for this film. And now, because uh, it's it's crazy to think of right now because of how much money this made, but money is definitely an issue during this. And he can't be as creative as he wanted to. Obviously, he could because he borrowed money from himself. But it's just crazy to me. And then think about how silly Bank of America probably feels, you know, today. Like, wow, we really limited funding for Star Wars. <laughs> like, that, like, that's crazy. Hindsight is twenty twenty. man. It's a... Uh, you know, the first movie was a wild idea and there was a lot of skeptics. Obviously, it paid off, but it's like, OK, you see how good the first one went. You're not going to back the second one with everything you got, it's, especially with the cast of characters they had then, because a lot of them were unknowns then. But now they're superstars. It's just I don't know. It's crazy to me. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, though, the, the, the second one was less of a risk for sure, you know, because of how successful the the first one was the first one was the biggest risk because at that point you're coming off of people weren't as sure about sci-fi at that point yeah, because true. you're still kind of you're still kind of reeling to a point on the failure of the original star trek series mm -hmm. and i think that's why a lot of people didn't want to take a chance on the film yeah that makes a lot of sense hmm. sci-fi yeah. yeah i mean um it was, was very campy yeah it wasn't taken oh, yeah. serious oh yeah and then you know a new hope succeeds and then star trek winds up coming back as a result because then you know the original series cast comes through and starts filming more uh of their movies and then that whole franchise takes off you know that's a whole nother story that you know for probably another episode but yeah i mean and it makes it makes sense that they would want to capitalize on that and so they got more money. But like you said, the, the, the rep from Bank of America probably kicking themselves for <laughs> acting, you know, the way they did, realizing the amount of success that they got, because it's like, OK, yeah, no, uh, they wound up refinancing with somebody else. And so Bank of America loses out on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, this movie, I think you could say, was even more so uh, more important. Well, obviously, I think I had. Uh, huge cultural impact moving forward. Um, uh, you bring up some really good points with Star Trek, especially. But um, yes. but this movie, I think, was even more important than the first one because the first one was very impressive. But to come in and, and make a, I don't even feel like a solid pay the justice, but a solid sequel uh, just sets, sets forth a standard for every movie that wants to build a trilogy or every movie that wants to come out with like an even better sequel than the original film. I don't know. I think empire actually had, uh, uh, more of a, an impact to movie making and to, I, I guess, sci-fi too at the time, uh, than, than the first one even. Mm hmm. For sure. Yeah. That the second one set up the third, which allowed it to be a trilogy, which allowed it to be a universe. Yeah. Yep. If the second one bombed, there might not be a third one, you know? Right. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. While filming Han and Leia's scene before Han is frozen, the script calls for both Leia and Han to admit their love for each other. Kirshner thought this was so sappy and had them improvise lines until Ford got fed up. Kirshner asked for one more take and Ford responded with the now famous line, I know, in response to Leia stating that she loves Solo. Hamill and Bob Anderson had to fight the famous Darth Vader vs. Luke scene meaning that Hamill had to train in fencing for weeks. 
While from in the scene, which Vader reveals to Luke that he is his father, the only people on set to know the true line were Kirshner, Hamill, and the producers. Lucas arrived on set on July 15th to help wrap up filming. He even rewrote the Dagobah training scenes in order to reduce the amount of shots needed to complete filming. Most of the cast was done filming by August, except for Hamilton who had to act against Frank Oz and his puppeteering of Yoda. They only had 12 days to film due to Frank Oz's tight schedule, who at the time was already an iconic puppeteer. This was around the same time that producer Kurtz was removed due to filming falling 50 days behind schedule. He was replaced by Kazajian and associate producer Robert Watts. An official wrap-up party was held on September 5, 1979, after 133 days of filming. By November of 1979, John Williams got to work conducting the London Symphony Orchestra to compose the music for Empire, which was estimated to need around 107 minutes of music. After everything was done, the final budget for the movie grew from initially being estimated at $20 million to $30.5 million. All that would remain was for the team to see whether the filming, struggles, and significant budget increase were worth it. On May 6, 1980, Star Wars Episode V The Empire Strikes Back debuted at the Dominion Theatre in London, England. The cast and crew were excited to see their work pay off, and the buzz around the film was at an all-time high. On May 21, 1980, The Empire Strikes Back debuted in theaters in the United States and would go on to earn approximately $200 million. This was not as much as original Star Wars and had mixed reviews amongst audience and critics, with a debate over Leia's love triangle with Luke and Han and the more action-centered plot being at the center of that. At the 1981 Academy Awards, Empire would win Best Sound and a Special Achievement Award for Best Visual Effects. It also received nominees for Best Art Direction and Best Original Score. Despite the initial lukewarm response by critics and audiences, this film's reputation had only grown over the years since its release and is now highly regarded as not only the best film in Star Wars series, but as one of the greatest films in the science fiction genre ever. From its iconic plot twist to its expansive world building, from the gorgeous set pieces and location shots to the thrilling character interactions, this film has truly captured the imagination of many, propelling it to the iconic status it is known for today. So, do you know why Han Solo was frozen in carbonite? Because he didn't know if he was coming back. Because, yeah, George Lucas didn't know if he was coming back for the third movie, which yeah. is super interesting and actually turned out really well because rescuing him in Return of the Jedi turned out to be a like a like very, very famous scene. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that's what makes that movie one of my favorite. I love how it opens. And, and talk about merchandise sales. You have uh, Han Solo frozen in carbonite is like one of the most iconic, iconic images from the whole original trilogy. Oh, absolutely. Is there mm -hmm. anything more iconic than that outside of the. No, I don't. I think that's the most iconic image. I can't think of anything more iconic than that. I mean, I have like an ice cube tray of Han Solo frozen in carbonite. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's it's hard to argue with that. I mean, it's it's the most recognizable piece in like in Star Wars, period. Yeah, I, I don't like I'm, I'm going to see if anybody writes in chat anything more iconic, obviously, you know, other than like the Death Star, but like a, a scene or an image of, of a character. It, it's funny because it was it just seems like everything with the original Star Wars trilogy, and this is why I love getting into the history of movie making, was in the words of Bob Ross, a happy accident. Like there were so many just happy accidents throughout the whole original trilogy. Um, this couldn't happen because of that. We 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 have Luke Skywalker getting in a heart Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill getting in a horrible car accident. So they write in this um scene with the with the with the the Wampa. It's a it's a Wampa, right? Am I saying that right? It's a Wampa. I'm pretty sure it's a Wampa. We'll say the Yeti just for sake of, of argument. 
Um, <laughs> and that's iconic. Like him in the snow cave is an iconic scene. Um, we have the the carbonite scene. We have it, there's just so much that happened almost accidentally that um, it, it's just like the butterfly effect. These little things happen that just stack to the next movie or stack to character development that just, you know, is now just you can't think of. Any, and thank you, Michael X in chat just confirmed it is a wampa. Why do I don't I, I don't remember names of like main characters, but I remember that thing's called a wampa. <laughs> I think it's like 15 seconds of screen time. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like everything happened, failed beautifully. It's crazy to think that all of these things, you know, attempts, accidents and whatnot falling into place to just create some of the best, you know, one of the best pieces of sci-fi that a lot of people have just ever seen. Yeah, seriously. It's so funny. It, it, we go back to like people being worried about the money. Okay, so it cost $30.5 million to make. Oh, no, it cost $30.5 million to make. They made $200 million. So like, It's a cares? lot of money today, let alone back then. Yeah, exactly. They're not today money. This is 1979 money. That's a yeah, right. lot of money, not today, if you go into the whole calculator. That's like that that's like the net the the net worth of Apple like today in today's I think that's so much money in the eighties oh my goodness gracious I don't know it's just I first of all you talk about John Williams a little bit John Williams anything he touches is gold he's done everything he's it done everything is gold oh absolutely and you know a John Williams song when you hear one thanks to movies like Star Wars yeah it's he's amazing and uh it's it, they they talk about. There's a lot of history I had to keep out because there's sure there's, it's so there's so much and we only do we try to do like an hour tops yeah yeah we're allowed to go over a little bit but there's so much history I didn't do it's like yeah like John, Williams had to work a lot on this movie because there's a lot of music needed because every scene has that stuff and you know even though every scene has different music he ties in other stuff in as it goes along and he'll ease in Hans you know music to a different scene. If you really listen in, it's 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 amazing stuff he does. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the the, the way he the, the way he weaves all that together, like and it's like seemingly with very little effort. I know, just, right? It just goes to show you how absolutely brilliant that man is. Yeah, it's crazy. Quick fire, quick facts. Let's go. Star Wars Empire Strikes Back was adapted into a radio broadcast on America's National Public Radio in 1982. Due to Brackett's inability to write any redraft, her first draft being so different than the final draft, many people didn't think the Writers Guild of America West would approve to her to receive a writer's credit, but Lucas fought on this wanting her to be listed as a co-writer. Lucas also provided for Brackett's family beyond her contract and pay. George Lucas hired Dean Allen Foster to write a sequel even before Lucas was told he should make a second movie. This sequel was later released as a novel named Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Empire Strikes Back was the first of the Star Wars movies to get a video game. Parker Brothers released it in 1982 for the Atari 2600 console. The Writers Guild of America and Director Guild of America find director Kirshner for the credits only scrolling at the end of the film. Lucas chose to do this despite being told not to and paid Kirshner's fine. During the scene where the Falcon arrives in Cloud City, Fisher and Ford look happier than normal. This is attributed to them spending the prior evening partying with the Rolling Stones at Eric Idle's home. 
Alec Guinness, the actor who portrays Obi-Wan Kenobi, returns as a Force ghost. Guinness, famously not a fan of the Star Wars series, was only on set for four and a half hours on the last day of filming and was paid 0.25% of the film's profits, which was ultimately worth millions. All the extras in the Hoth headquarters were played by Norwegian mountain rescue skiers who were stationed near filming took place. As a thank you, Lucas made a donation to the Norwegian Red Cross. The big plot twist of the film in which Darth Vader is revealed to be Luke Skywalker's father was preemptively revealed in the film's novelization, which was released one month before the film. Hope they put a spoiler alert. Wow, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty big, <laughs> yeah, right? right? Dude, that's crazy. That's crazy. I uh, Really fast on this quick for the facts, I wanted to go back and say how amazing it is of George Lucas, really the character he, of his character, that he not only wanted to make sure that Brackett's name was on this because she almost had her name taken yeah. off completely, but that he went on and gave her family more money than she was contracted to get paid. Uh, definitely amazing uh, character of Lucas. Yeah, absolutely. On that, on that one. Oh, no doubt. And I think I would be, I don't know if I'd be happy the next day if I just got done partying with the Rolling Stones the night prior. I think I'd be really <laughs> grouchy and hung, and hung over. It's like, jeez, yeah. that would be a heck of a night. We hear Disney's think Star Wars Empire Strikes Back as an iconic film that has earned its place among the pantheon of great science fiction productions. Its influence on both the Star Wars series and on the film industry as a whole cannot be understood, and we joyously look forward to each new viewing of this masterpiece with zeal and enthusiasm. Are you looking for a magical experience? Look no further than Three Cheeky Chicks, a Disney-themed candle company that will transport you to your favorite childhood memories. Three Cheeky Chicks offers wax melts, candies, candles, diffuser oils, and room sprays, all available on MagicallyScented.com. The best part? You can use the code DizHiz20 at checkout to receive 20% off your purchase. Immerse yourself in the world of Disney with scents like Poly Juice Potion, which is orange and mold fruit, blended with oak and patchouli on a base of sugared berries. Or try Once Upon a Dream, a magical blend of pears, peaches, and mild red berries mixed with water lily, apple blossoms, tiari flowers, and jasmine with a base of vanilla orchard, sandalwood, coconut milk, and chiffron musk. And don't forget the official Disney scent, created exclusively for fans of the Disney's podcast. Three Chicka Chicks candles, wax melts, and diffusers make the perfect gift for any Disney lover. So visit magicallyscented.com today and use the code DizHiz20 for 20% off your purchase. Three Cheeky Chicks, where every scent tells a story. Disney Cruise is no ordinary vacation. It's an adventure, a fairy tale, a dream. Step aboard and discover where favorite Disney characters meet fun for the whole family, where total rest and relaxation meet the ultimate escape and excitement, where a dream vacation meets a magical cruise. Only on Disney Cruise Line, where magic meets the sea. To book your magical Disney Cruise Line vacation, go to sandpipervacations.com today. Hey guys, want to hear something cool? Do you want to be part of the Goof Troop? Our Goof Troop is the best, and a way to help support the show. You get access to our wonderful giveaways, Discord chat, 
and you can join for only $2 a month. In our Discord chat, you can interact with the hosts and some of our great members. There are Disney-themed games in our chat, streams from the park, we have a special Spotify playlist. Overall, we just have a lot of fun. You also get access to our live shows, which can sometimes be a little crazy. Once again, help support the show for as low as $2 a month and join the Goof Troop. Just go to DizHiz.com and on top, there's a link. Check us out streaming on award-winning Disney streaming site, Sorcerer Radio, on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, or catch us again at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Sorcerer Radio is an amazing 24-7 Disney radio. Just visit srsounds.com or download the Sorcerer Radio app. Next week on Diz His, we'll be joined by RJ, because he wanted to go a deep dive into the Goodwill Tour, which has to do with Walt and the production of Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros movies. Yeah, really excited to hear more about that. So, Justin, thank you so much again for joining us tonight. Uh, really enjoyed your insight on this because you know a lot more about uh, this world than we do. So really enjoyed your opinions in, uh, on this and everything. Thank you so much for coming. I can't wait to have you back on here. Now, if people can't wait to hear you again, uh, just do you want to remind them where they can find you, which is on the Nerd Archive podcast, which sure is on all major streaming platforms, as well as please plug your Twitch chat or not your Twitch, it's YouTube actually where you do your streaming, correct? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you're going to if you want to listen to our podcast, the Nerd Archive podcast, like uh, Chris said, we are on all podcasting platforms and then we also stream each episode live every tuesday uh at nine or nine thirty uh over on the nerd archive youtube channel um and i am pretty much everywhere uh at all over at underscore tv uh and then you can also find us on our website thenerdarchive.com strongly suggest you follow justin over on twitter it has a lot of good commentary a lot of good commentary <laughs> I really you're you're one of the few people that I actually enjoy uh, reading their tweets. Actually, your exes. I'm sorry. It's not uh, it's not, oh not tweets anymore. <laughs> that is so that's so ridiculous. I, I know. And honestly, I I still I still call it Twitter because I don't care. So does everyone. So does everyone. Yeah, it's it's not. It's I love the new logo. Hate the new set. Hate the new title. Uh, but uh, anyway, Justin, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Now. If you can't get enough of us, you can check us out on Patreon to get all these episodes uncut. Head over to our link tree, click join our goof troop for as little as $2 a month. You have access to all of our uncut shows and our live shows. Patreon member also allows you to write for our blog. Being a $5 tier and up allows you to be entered into giveaways. Don't forget to follow us on social media at DizHisPod everywhere except for Twitter where we are banned for some reason. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know why still have no There's idea why no, no idea it could be because well, i sp- I messaged 45 people in the span of five minutes that's the only thing i could think of uh, but also uh if you are five dollars and up you also are submitted into our giveaways which we are doing giveaways we'll be doing we did a big giveaway for october we did and we'll probably be doing another big giveaway for december mm-hmm. so go ahead and go over there and join our patreon for five dollars or more in order to be submitted for those giveaways that's the his on star wars the empire strikes back i'm chris i'm alex and i'm justin thanks for listening and have a magical week <laughs>